This message is made available by the partners and friends of Breakthrough Miracle Life. Catch our live broadcast every Wednesday and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and on internet radio at mixlr.com forward slash B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U. It's a privilege to pastor Breakthrough. Why? Because it's full of people of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone just wrote to me and said, I heard about that the generator need and everything I am wearing a thousand dollars. I was like, okay. <laughs> then I, you know, and other people were coming up. I'm giving this. I was like, okay, bill finished. Ah, click on extra. That's God. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's how God, that's how God works. Amen. And when you learn how to respond to the word of God, then you have come into that place of the miraculous living. Amen. Amen. You know, ever since God gave us this word, I was asking God, I was like, Lord, where, where are we sowing our seed? Where are we sowing our seed? We need to sow seed. You know, even after sowing seed in the generators, like, Lord, I'm, I'm still looking for where else to sow seed. Because, I, I mean, you can't tell me there is a harvest and then I don't think about where to put seed in order to have a harvest. I was like, Lord, where, 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 where? Then my wife called me two days ago and said, the Lord spoke to me. We need to give five hundred dollars here, we need to give a thousand dollars here, we need to I was like, Yes, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Ah Hallelujah. I got excited. I already put the money in envelope waiting to take it where we where the Lord has told us to take it. Amen. Because I'm excited. For me, when I hear God give an instruction to give, I already know automatically he has a harvest in mind. Amen. That's how he works. By the time God tells you to give, it's because God is not in need. No? He's not in need. By the time he tells you to give, that means he already has a harvest in mind for you. He's waiting for your faith response in order to do something supernatural for you. And so I'm excited. Very excited by what God is going to do. I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing the testimonies of God's goodness. Hallelujah. You know, one of our members, they live in Canada. In fact, they are the ones who gave the a thousand. Wrote to me, actually not, not... it was just a couple of weeks ago, I was still in Houston, and they were tuned into the Zoom, because in Houston we've been doing Zoom since the pandemic started, and we'll be doing that till the end of the year, because the cases are still very, very high in the United States, and um, also a good number of our members work in healthcare, so they are literally exposed every day, and so wisdom dictates that we use discretion in how we meet. But now this uh, particular couple meets, uh, lives in, uh, in Toronto, in Canada. And, um, and so they were sharing their testimony. And they said, I didn't even know this had happened. So she shares and she says, you know what? We needed money. Now, Canada is very, very, very cold in winter. Super cold. Forget, uh, forget these other things. The United States is nothing. Canada goes, be, you know, can go minus 20, minus 40. In winter, it can get so cold that you get, if you got a cup of boiling water and you fling it in the air, it will freeze before it gets to the ground. That's how cold it can get in Canada. And so, getting the right kind of clothing is very important. So, they needed money to get the right kind of clothes for the whole family. They have kids, like three kids, they themselves, I mean, and it's a lot of money, it's expensive. And, um, you know, the winters, I, I've seen people here in Kampala wearing them and I laugh. You know, those winter boots that go up to here, eh? 
you know, that are warm and everything. And you see people wearing them in Kampala and you're wondering why exactly they're wearing winter boots. You know? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, those, those things are not a fashion statement. We wear them because they're necessity. <laughs> those ends in winter, you know? Because you need to keep your legs warm, you know? So, winter boots, but they're expensive. Winter boots are not cheap. Especially when you're buying them towards the season. If you, if you are buying them when the season has ended, then they are discounting them and everything. But when you're buying them towards the season, this stuff is expensive. And she shares and she says they had a little money that they were looking at how to make it fit all their needs for warm clothing. And then the Lord told them, no, just send a seed to break through in Uganda. And they just got the money and sent a seed. And um, a week later, or two weeks, as I'm not sure, one, either a week or two weeks later, someone called them and said, the Lord spoke to me to buy you guys all the winter clothes you need. Oh, Took them shopping. Not only did they do that, even, you know, there was even a particular pair of boots she wanted, but you know where you, where you look and you're like, that's outside the budget. That one also got included in there. So... There is a principle that's very important to know, and that is this. If what you have is not enough for your need, it is a seed. Hallelujah. If what you have is not enough for your need, it is a seed. Hallelujah. But that's not the someone today. I just diverged a little bit. I don't know why. The Holy Ghost probably wanted someone to hear that, to be encouraged. So that you may know that God is at work. We are in a season of bountiful harvest hallelujah and i am believing god for acceleration as soon as you saw the harvest comes hallelujah because at the beginning of this year the word we had was genesis 26 and isaac sowed in that land and that same year he reaped a hundredfold now i don't want people to play technical games with my year tell me i take jewish calendar at what me i put it in the gregorian calendar Hallelujah. So <laughs> the Holy Ghost who spoke to me surely knew that I operate in the Gregorian calendar and my year ends on December 31st. Hallelujah. So that's when I expect, <laughs> hallelujah, my harvest in this year not to tell me, ah, I take a cut Jewish calendar, ends on when, I don't know which other calendar, Chinese New Year. No. Hallelujah. And let him tell that to the Chinese. Mine is Gregorian. Hallelujah. But anyway. And uh, so I want us to be encouraged. God is doing something amazing. But um, as we talk about seed and as we talk about harvest, it's important for us to understand that there are principles that govern these things. Amen. Because so many times when we talk to people about seed, we tell them about sowing, but we don't tell them how to harvest. We tell them about sowing, but we don't tell them how do you nurture the seed until it grows to the point where you can harvest something from it. So you often find many disappointed givers because nobody told them how to get from sowing to harvesting. They only know that somehow sowing faith and things will happen. No, there is more to it than that. There is certainly more to it than that. The scripture says this, I am the Lord thy God, who teaches thee to profit and adds on what? And who leadeth you in the way that you shall go? So how does God teach us to profit? He leads us in the way that we shall go. He teaches us to profit by giving us instruction. Hallelujah. 
He gives instruction. And now let's go to Isaiah 28. Actually, this wasn't my planned sermon today, but the Holy Ghost has just shifted everything. So let's go there. This is one of my favorite passages. And, um, okay. From verse 23, he says, listen to me. Listen and pay close attention. Isn't that interesting? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, listen to me. Listen and pay close attention. Hallelujah. Does a farmer always plow and never sow? Is he forever cultivating the soil and never planting? So that's the first thing we look at. Does the farmer always plow and never sow? Is he forever cultivating? And never planting. Because there are some people who are like that. They are constantly praying, but they don't act. Then what? What comes next? After that. It says, is he forever hmm, cultivating the soil and never planting? says, does he not finally plant his seeds? Black cumin, cumin, wheat, barley, emma wheat, each in its proper way and each in its proper place. Hallelujah. So notice again something. It says, does he not finally plant? Now, the first thing we need to make very clear, and, and this is very important, is this. The seed is the word of God. Amen. Not the money. Hallelujah. This is not seed. Amen. This is not seed. The word is seed. I may respond to the word with my act of faith, with my money, but the seed is the word. The money does not grow fruit. It is the word that bears fruit. Hallelujah. So we don't expect, otherwise we would just be tilling the ground here and putting money in the soil. Hallelujah. But the word bears fruit. The word that goes forth, that you then respond to, that's what is the real seed. Amen. And the soil is your heart. Because that's where the word goes. Hallelujah. That's why it's important to cultivate the soil. How do you cultivate the soil? You cultivate it by being in the word. You cultivate it by spending time in prayer. You cultivate the soil and make it soft by putting in some fasting. Why? So that the flesh can be put down and the spirit is stronger. Hallelujah. So you cultivate that soil. That's what we are doing as breakthrough. That's why we are in a season of fasting. We are cultivating the soil. We are tilling the soil. We are breaking the clods. We are making sure it is soft for the word to enter. Hallelujah. Now, so we respond to the word. The word goes forth. Like for example, this time a word got forth, went forth. What did it say? Bountiful harvest. And I'm responding to it with my resources. I'm responding it. That's my faith act. The other one is an act of God. It's an act of grace. An act of grace. God didn't consult me before he decided to speak his word. Hallelujah. 
In fact, I didn't push him in order to give his word. In his sovereignty, he spoke a word. That's grace. How I respond is faith. When I hear the word, how did I respond to that word? How did I respond to it? I got excited. I began to claim it. I began to speak it. And then I began to wait on the one who teaches me to profit. Waiting for him to give me an instruction. From the moment the word went forth, I've been excited waiting for an opportunity to sow seed. Amen. But I also knew one thing. And this is something that's very interesting. Look at verse 26. It says, the farmer knows just what to do. For God has given him understanding. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The farmer knows just what to do for God has given him understanding. Remember the verse just before that said, each in its proper way, each in its proper place. So, it's not enough just to get excited about the seed. You need to know in which way and in which place. Because some people get so excited, they just keep throwing the seed anywhere. And some of it goes on stony ground. Some of it goes on thorny ground. Some of it goes on the path. Because you were not sensitive enough to hear from the one who gives you understanding, the Holy Spirit. Says, what does he say? The farmer knows just what to do for God has given him understanding. When he gives him understanding, he tells him the way and the place. Hallelujah. It's not enough just to be excited. That's why, even though I had been excited all along, I kept waiting for a word. I didn't sow out of emotion. I didn't give out of emotion. I didn't give out of excitement. I, I, I must be led of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't just rush anyhow. I can't let someone, you know, I can't let someone just speak and because of the way they've spoken and the, the way they stand up my emotions and everything, you come running without first hearing the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But sometimes that's what happens to us. We give in excitement. Or we give in emotion. I have watched people, especially in prophetic meetings, now, I have nothing against prophets. I love prophets, by the way. I sometimes I even operate in the prophetic myself. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I have nothing against prophets. No one should ever be fooled. And a big chunk of my life have been blessed by the ministry of the prophetic. There have been words that have come forth just exactly when I needed them. The instruction I needed in a time and a season. And it helped me go to where I need to go. But at the same time, it's one of the most easily abused gifts in the body of Christ. And so, sometimes what happens is someone comes and excites you with some word. something, And you, you, you switch off your brain. Child of God, being spiritually sensitive does not mean switch off your brain. Hallelujah. Because God gave you reasoning. So that you can use that reasoning when, when, when a word comes forth. You, you're like, okay. Aha, uh-huh, you have said, the Lord saith, okay. How does this line up with the word? How does this line up with the word? You check. You check. Is this in line? You know? It's amazing sometimes the things that destroy people. Someone, I mean, you can get very puzzled. Someone gets a word. Um, 
And and you know today in town there are very very many manipulative prophets. Extremely manipulative. They are Balaams in town. Many of them. And the Bible talks of them and says, see the women taken captive by lusts. Hmm? It says these men take advantage of silly women. I don't know why the Bible is that rude, but anyway. But actually, most interesting is, when you go to town, that's what you usually find this prophet who frequents Kamu Kamu and a few other plazas in town. Eh? And all the places, the particular shops frequent, eh? they are owned by women. Ainaka sakitkeka itamuka alagura. Nazikunganya. But what does he profit from? Aja, gundi, neighbor ya kuroga. Huh? Nevalete nsigo. I've seen someone's marriage destroyed out of that nonsense. A prophet coming to a guy, the Lord showed me in a vision, your wife is cheating on you with the other one, and is also cheating on you with this one and this one. This one said, ha, the prophet wachi rabia mukama ya yoget. Poor girl was not cheating on anyone, with anyone. But for the prophet, it was profitable because the lady had refused to respond to his prophetic overtures. So he comes these ends and messes up their relationship. So we are not meant to switch off our brains. We are meant to use them. Because for me, I would simply ask, huh? So you say she's cheating. Okay. So the Lord showed you. Okay. Uh-huh. Where is the redemption? Because the Holy Spirit is not a gossip. If he reveals, he reveals to redeem. So if he has told you where is the redemption? You see, and that's why we must know the word. We must get to that place where we are intimate with the character of God. So you, you don't only, because some people pay attention to the letter of the word, but what you need to pay attention to is the spirit of the word. Because the spirit reveals the character and the nature of God. And so you ask yourself, okay, you've said this, this, and this, but is it in line with the nature and the character of God as revealed in Scripture? Hallelujah. I'll give you an example. Jesus condemned some people, and this is what he said. He said, you refuse to take care of your parents because you say what I was going to give them is now Koban. Koban meaning it is dedicated to God. So these people would, instead of, they would say, ah, the money that I was supposed to give for the upkeep of my parents, I have dedicated as a seed to the the temple. And Jesus said, what kind of stupidity is this one? You think Koban, Koban. This is, when you ask yourself some questions, you're like, wait a minute. God can't be telling me that the resources I was supposed to put into taking care of my parents, he's now told me to get all of it and take it to Prophet Z over there. Because then I would ask myself, what about the scripture that tells me honor your father and mother so that your life may be long? Is that still consistent with his word? Hallelujah. Is it still consistent? 
What about the scripture that says if I don't take care of my own, I'm like, I'm worse than a heathen. So I must be able to look through the scriptures and use the wisdom and understanding God has given me. Hallelujah. This is very, very important for us. Because we get blown by every wind when we don't understand the nature and the character of God as revealed in the word. But when we do, we begin to see that God does not contradict himself. Jesus was speaking on the tithe and he said, you Pharisees, you tithe even your spices. They tithe, they would tithe even their spices. He said, but you ignore the weightier matters of the law. Which ones? He said, justice and mercy. But then he says something interesting. He says, this ye do, but do not ignore. So he doesn't tell them therefore stop tithing. No. What he tells them, as long, you keep tithing, but do not forget that there are even weightier issues. Because some of us are so good at some of these other things, but we miss the things that are the real heart of God. So you have someone in church. And they're a great giver. Hmm? They're probably the biggest giver in church. But they're terrible to their family. They would rather bring five million to church than give a hundred K to their brother. This is hard stuff. Hallelujah. Yeah. And it's not common stuff to hear on pulpits. Because, you know, we want to encourage you to give to church. Uh-uh. We must be balanced. Hallelujah. God requires of us to use the wisdom he has granted us and discernment that he's given us. For far too long as believers, we've kind of come to the place where we think that spirituality and gullibility are the same thing. God hasn't called us to be gullible. Be blown by every person who comes and tells one story or the other and sounds deep. They just need to quote a bit here and speak a Greek word and a Hebrew word somewhere. They're like, oh, yeah, deep. Then we ask you later what they said and you, can't, you don't even remember. Because there was no spiritual depth in it. But we see now, he says, the farmer knows just what to do for God has given him understanding. Remember, he said, each in its proper way, each in its proper place. Which means, you need to know for example, where your tithe is meant to go, where your offering goes, where your seed goes. You need to know the difference. Hallelujah. Each in its proper way. Each in its proper place. So everything has a proper way. For example, Jesus speaks about arms. What does he say? When you give arms, do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Which means alms are given in secret. So it's given in secret so that your father may reward you what? Openly. But you see, that's specifically for alms. What are alms? Alms is what you give out of compassion to poor people. Hallelujah. So that kind of giving, God is telling you, do that one privately. 
But we know that's not the case when it comes to giving in church. How do we know? Again, we see it revealed in scripture. Jesus is sitting in the temple. And people come and give. And he sees the rich give out of their bounty. And then he sees the widow come and give her two mites. How was he able to see it? It was public. Because Jesus was not a Levite. He came from the tribe of Judah. He didn't come from Levi. Which means he didn't have access to the holy place in the temple. Yes. No matter the fact that he was Jesus. Remember the Jews didn't care. So that means he only had access to the outer court where everyone stops. And which means the giving was happening in that outer court. And he was able to see so their giving was public. Not only that, we can see the trend in scripture. Most of the giving in scripture is actually told. We are told, so I gave this many cattle, and gave this many tons of gold, this many. Whenever they were giving to God, it was public. Why was it public? Because it is worship, and worship is not private. Worship is public. So when we give to God, it's different. When I understood that distinction, it, it delivered me from the religious discomfort I used to feel. I used to feel religious discomfort. Because, you know, when they would say these things of, who is giving a million, then people come to the front. Me, I would feel bad. I'm like, Mm-mm. I'll just give my chameleon privately. I'm not going to stand up. Because in my head, there was still this calloused vestige of religion saying, Mm-mm. now if I go in front, I'll lose my reward. No, because I'm giving it to God. It's public. It's worship. Hallelujah. The same way, I don't sing in, I don't say, man, we should not sing in, in public. Then you can hide behind the tent and sing from there. No. The same way you're singing is public is the same way you're giving to God is public. Because you're showing him how much you love him. How much you submit to him. How much you honor him. How much you celebrate him. How much you appreciate what he has done for you. That's public. Hallelujah. So maybe if you've been there and you're struggling, you know, if they call for pledges, you're like, nah, you're in 12. Be delivered today from your religiosity in the name of Jesus. Amen. Worship him publicly and extravagantly. Be like that woman. She comes and she pours this expensive perfume upon Jesus' feet in the presence of everyone. A year's wages. Hallelujah. Extravagantly then gets her hair and uses it to wash his feet. Hallelujah. It was, that was extravagant worship. Extravagant in front of everyone. The Pharisee was offended. And that's why you see sometimes those having issues with public giving, they are just Pharisees. Hallelujah. There is a bunch of Pharisees that are offended by your giving. You celebrate God publicly. Hallelujah. Each in its proper way. Each in its proper place. But he says, he goes on, the farmer knows just what to do. For God has given him understanding. You are the farmer. And God is interested in giving you understanding. If you ask, he will not refuse to speak. Hallelujah. If you ask him, he will not fail to speak. He will tell you. 
I want you to go and give this here. I want you to do this here. Let him speak to you. I remember one time I was in some prophetic meeting. Man, this guy was telling people all their great, great, great grandparents and bringing it all the way down their line. And people are shouting, prophesy, papa, prophesy. Go deeper, go deeper. Hmm? Hey, guy even called me out and said some things and they were very accurate. By the way, things I had not told him. They were very accurate. Man, let me tell you the sad part about it. Somehow, somewhere I also got caught up in this excitement. Thank God I am no longer there, but I remember getting caught up in this excitement. When I got caught up in the excitement, you know, I was so excited by what was happening and everything. That's how I ended up sewing my very beautiful motif. It. Sharper carrot. These guys are the ones who understand. And afterwards, I discovered the guy is a fraud. Sharper carrot. Let me tell you, eh? That's why we must not be led by emotions and excitement. Now, I didn't mind sewing the motif. I would have sewed it again elsewhere. But I minded that I sewed it on stony ground. That was the pain. Giving it what? Stony ground. And that's why we must have understanding so that the Lord leads us. And you see, the things of the Lord, most of us, we miss the supernatural because we are looking. What are we looking for? The spectacular. We miss the simplicity of the supernatural because we are looking for something spectacular. Elijah on the mountain. God was not in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. A still small voice. And sometimes that's what happens. You are here. Hmm? Some of you, many of you, if not all of you, hmm? have been ministered to powerfully hmm? by Apostle Raymond. In his simple way, akukona ya kantu, nekakumba. Nekakujayo jowa dogude mchinya. And you know what's most amazing? If we look at your sewing history, you've probably sold to these more, more flashy ministers. Why? Because you missed the supernatural. Why are you looking for the spectacular? I see it all the time. You see, but here's the thing. We are not about to change the way we minister. Yeah, we could go for some dramatic breathing deep. Shakata Mendere. Then you change to King James English. I hear it <laughs> from the heavenlies. The spirit of Elijah just came upon me, my friend. No, we will remain as simple as we are. We will remain, you know, typical Robert Chirunda style. He tells you a prophecy in the middle of a joke, and if you are not sensitive, you miss it and you don't even realize he prophesied. Simplicity. Why? God never called us to do dramatics. To just deliver the word in its simplicity. 
But you can miss God because you are busy looking for the spectacular. Neman almost missed his miracle like that. The Bible says he comes and Elisha did not even come out. He sent a servant. Now, Naaman is a big shot. He is second in command of an entire empire. Assyrians were big. They were like the United States of those days. So literally like the vice president of the United States come look, comes looking for the prophet. And the prophet doesn't even get out of his house. He sends the servant. Tells him, ah, the prophet has said you go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Naaman used to people giving him attention. Hmm? Because he's a big shot. Used to all this. Huh? It's like, but this guy. And there are better rivers where I come from. And in truth, there were better rivers. The Jordan's muddy. The, the rivers in Assyria were better. And there are better rivers. You just imagine, Vice President Mike Pence comes all the way here and I'm in the house. Eh? Then I send Ronnie out. Gendo Mugamba, Gendanabe, Walikunairu. Emirundi Musav. That guy will be saying, Nae guy. Do you know what kind of rivers we have in America? We have the mighty Mississippi. Huh? We have, we have swimming, Olympic swimming pools. We have all this stuff. And the guy tells me to go and wash in the Nile. As if I don't shower every day. Be like, the Nile. That one with Bilazia. Eh? The other ends we have, we clean our stuff. We do all this. What is he thinking? But what's interesting is what the, the servants say to him. They're like, my Lord, if he had told you to do some difficult thing, you would have done it. How, how much more when he just tells you go and dip yourself in the river? Go and wash. Sometimes we are so busy looking for complicated ways, complicated things, we miss the simplicity of God. 